Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the new year. Now, I know we are already one month in, but it's like January doesn't exist. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's something about the new year I love. I don't know if you're like me, but I have a new diary. Yes, I still use paper diary, but love the smell of new stationery. Office Works is a very dangerous place for me. Um, I clean my office. I took some of my clothes to Savers. I put new seedlings in the pots outside. I even repaired some peeling paint. And coming back from holidays, it's like I'll get my healthy eating back on control, get back to the gym, knock off that extra kilo or two. I even made a list of what I want to achieve, uh, where I want to lock in leave, for instance. Now, what about you? Have you made some... New, Year, New Year's resolutions or had some thoughts about what you want to do this year. You know, I've also thought about what I want to learn and how I want to grow. And I'm really excited that um, starting at the beginning of March, we are doing a special series called Gone Conversations. And this is all about um, learning to hear the voice of God. And wouldn't we all love to be able to do that? better. Well, this is going to happen in our Sunday messages, but the most important part is going to happen in life groups. Now, if you're listening to this online and maybe you've never um, stepped out and thought to join a life group at Gateway, uh, I'd really love to encourage you to be brave enough to think about that this year because the Christian life is a shared life. That is where we really learn to grow into the image of Christ as we sort of, we encourage one another. Now, if you're not already part of a life group, you can sign up for that easily on the Gateway app. And uh, when you open up the app, you'll see uh, this, this front page and there is a tile called Next Steps. If you go into that, it's self-explanatory about signing up. So I really want to encourage you to do that because our hope is that this series will really grow us in our understanding of the reality and the goodness of God and increase our ability to hear the one who is always speaking and hopefully it'll strengthen our relationships within this faith community. Life groups are a lot of fun. Um, I love my life group. It really enriches my life. Well, I started out talking about New Year's resolutions, and they're really good, but they can end up being pretty me-focused. It's like, this is what I want to do. This is the way I want to improve or what I want to get this year. Well, for the next four weeks, we are going to focus on something that is really foundational to the Christian faith. All right, let's vote on our favourite verse from the Bible. Are you ready? Here's the first one. All right, that looks pretty exciting, doesn't it? Who wouldn't want abundant life? So most of us would go, yay, I vote for this one. Here's another one. Uh, 
Now, this is a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but he is actually referencing Luke 9.23 when Jesus said, what does, it, uh, what does it credit a man if he gains the whole world but then loses his life? You know, I don't know about you, but I would probably vote for this one over this one. <laughs> but this is one of the great paradoxes of the Christian faith that both of those things can be true at the same time. Jesus promises us life, but he also asks us to come and die. If you want to truly live in abundance, then you have to die first. We cannot bypass this. Now, let me just add a clarification. Jesus is talking about death to self, not death of self. Now, let me explain what I mean. When I think of death of self, the image that comes to me is The Handmaid's Tale. It's like a structure where you just have to become one of the crowd where you have no uniqueness or individuality. Death to self. Well, this is death to our over-concern with our own wants and needs to the exclusion of others. This is death to I want, I need, look at me, get out of my way. It's a very important clarification on those two things. Trevor Hudson wrote a wonderful book called Seeking God and he says this, Jesus does not want us to get rid of ourselves, nor does he want us to think that we are worthless. We were not loved into existence by God so that our lives would count for nothing. We were called to be all who God wants us to be, to come alive to the wonder of our own beautiful uniqueness, to live the distinctiveness of our one life as completely as possible. If we are to become this fully alive person, however, we must die to those aspects of ourselves that keep us from growing in this direction. When Jesus taught this, he was not laying a heavy burden on us. He just knows how life works. For fruit to grow, a seed must fall on the ground and die. Think of a language teacher who says, unless you learn the letters of the alphabet, you cannot begin to read. Jesus wanted his disciples to be clear about the heartbeat of following him. Unless they learned how to die daily to their own selfishness, they would never experience the abundant life. Great quote. So what is the alphabet we need to learn to combat our selfishness? How do we get our focus off ourselves? Now, we're going to look at three letters of the alphabet over the next few weeks, and they are all about getting the focus off our own needs and onto others. Folks, this is Christianity 101. So let's start with M, M for mission. 
We remember that we are representing Christ to those around us and we are constantly seeking to nudge people in his direction. Why? Because we love them and we want them to live abundant lives too. S is for service. We are constantly looking at how we can serve the needs of others, both in the church and outside of it. Why? Because we are modelling the self-giving love of Jesus, which draws people to him. And G, G is for generosity. We are sacrificing our financial wants for the needs of others. We recognise that what we have is a gift from God to use for his glory. Why? Because this is the first frontier and the biggest battle in fighting selfishness. If we win this one, then the rest will seem easier. Here's a couple of statements I want you to think about. When you serve more, you take less. When you give more, you need less. When you thank more, you want less. When there is more of God, me is less. Well, that's sort of an overview of where we're going to be going for the next couple of weeks. But just briefly today, I want to take a few minutes to talk about the first one, about living on mission, M for mission. You know, I've been a Christian all my life and I need to constantly remind myself that my life is not my own, that Christ saved me and enfolded me into his kingdom. But I'm not meant to run into that kingdom, close the door and settle into a comfy bed. I'm meant to stand at the door keeping it open, constantly watching for anyone who might even glance in this direction and find any way I can to influence, to nudge them in the direction of Jesus. I don't have time to think about my own wants when I know that there are lonely, desperate, bored, unfulfilled people in my world. I came across a little book recently written by a sports chaplain now, if you know anything about the work of um, sports chaplains, um, they work uh, amongst sports teams and they serve where they can. They're, they're there to comfort, to be a listening ear when tough things are going down within that sporting community. Um, they will often pray with people if they want that and maybe even earn the opportunity to talk about faith and the radical acceptance of our God for all. But he called his book The Unofficial Chaplain and he challenged disciples of Christ to see themselves as unofficial chaplains in their communities. So let's just imagine what that could look like for you. What is your sphere of influence? Think about it now and name it. Where do you spend time with other people, people who are not part of the church? It could be your class at school, your workplace, whether it be an office, a factory floor, a job site, 
It could be a walking group. It could be a sporting club. It could be an online community. How would you change the way you operate in that environment if you saw yourself as the unofficial chaplain? Well, you certainly wouldn't go around telling people, hey, I've become the unofficial chaplain here. It would be between you and God, but I know your prayer life would increase exponentially because a chaplain represents God to the people around them and you could be the only committed Christian that they know. Does that sound scary? Well, I just want to assure you, it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect because none of us are. You know, when you mess up, lose your temper, show a bad attitude, your willingness to apologise and ask forgiveness could be the most godly thing that someone has ever observed. But let me give you a few things that we can do to help us to be these unofficial chaplains, and they're not difficult to start with. Make a friend, be a friend, be social, be fun, be a listening ear, be curious about people. Put your phone away in the lunchroom and talk, start conversations. There are times in my life where there's been lots of opportunities to make new friends, like uh, when the kids are starting new schools or when I joined a community group or a sporting club. Other times, it's been a little bit more difficult. And of course, for me, uh, my workplace is a Christian environment. So I have to be quite strategic about me uh, meeting people who are not part of the church. But I should be able to bring to mind at least one person I am praying for, someone who I am, I would love to nudge in the direction of Christ. If not, I know I'm living in a Christian bubble. The second thing you can do is to recognise that God is already at work in their lives. Now, how do we know that? We know that because they know you and you have the Holy Spirit living in you if you have given your life to Christ. So God is already doing something within them because he has brought them in contact with you. That's a mind-blowing thought. Maybe going deeper along this path. Be aware of needs that people have. You know, everyone you lock eyes on has a story and there is often pain and no one who they can share it with. Be ready to listen and maybe even offer to pray out loud for people. I found that often very meaningful if it's, if it's done with humility and with authenticity. Win people over with kindness and generosity. You know, the real joy in walking with people who don't know Jesus and helping to nudge them is earning the respect of them to the extent that they are curious about why you live like you do and, and why you believe what you believe. Maybe then you could have the opportunity just to share your story. Why is Jesus important to you? Why would you love to see your friend finding that kingdom home that you've found? 
Maybe you could even ask them to a social event, a church service. Maybe read the Bible with you. Sometimes you have to be a little bit bold. Even risk your friend thinking you're weird. But you don't have to know all the answers. Let me finish by telling you a story uh, from my life. There are two people in my life at the moment that I am gently nudging in Jesus' direction. This is exciting and frustrating in equal measure. I so want the very best for these two precious friends, but I'm also so scared that I'll muck it up, that I'll say too much, not say enough. But ultimately, all I can do is be a friend, pray like crazy, and try to listen to his gentle promptings about when to speak and when to listen. And I remind myself that I can't save anyone. God loves him more than I ever could, so I have to trust him in the process. I sat down over coffee with one of these friends this week. They are definitely not sure that God even exists. And as a matter of fact, he feels that perhaps we are just worshipping nothing. And yet he continues to hang around this community. I asked him why, and his answer was a real encouragement to those of you who are in the Gateway family. He said he had always been made to feel welcome and accepted. He observed the Gateway was full of people with high moral values. Now, I asked him what he meant by that, and he said this, people who understand how to live their best life people who know what is really important, who are fun-loving and generous. I love that. That's a gateway that I know and love. I also asked him what believers could do to encourage a sceptic like himself to keep exploring. Such an interesting conversation. He spoke about the danger of emotional manipulation He definitely doesn't appreciate that. But he does appreciate thoughtful conversations that tackle the deep issues like, um, is this world a special creation by God or just an accident of atoms? And, And if it is God, how do we know we have the right version of God? He wants to use his mind to reason things out and is definitely not impressed with pat answers. He doesn't want to be treated like an idiot. I love his intellectual honesty. When and if he decides to give his life to Jesus, he won't do it because it sounds like a blessed life. He'll do it because it will be hard and challenging and the only real way to spend his one and only life. He will be the kind of disciple who knows that he comes to Jesus and dies in order to live his best life. Now, I left him with three pieces of advice. Now, I'm a mum, sorry, I can't help myself. The first thing I said to him was, you can research 
the pros and cons of Christianity on the internet as much as you like. But the only way to truly research the faith is to start with the source documents. Read the Gospels, and preferably with someone who can help you through them. Secondly, I challenge him to try a humble, curious prayer to the God who he's not even sure exists. God, if you are real, show me. I just know that God answers a sincere prayer like that. And my third piece of advice to him was keep hanging around with people who love Jesus. Regardless of what you believe, Jesus' people are the best. So can our prayer at the beginning of 2023 be less of me, more of you? God, today as I pray, I ask these things. Expand my prayer to have faith of a mustard seed on behalf of those in need. Expand my expectations to think outside the box with help for those who feel hopeless. Expand my heart to feel empathy towards people I never even thought to care about. Expand my reach to connect with the ones I thought were too far gone. Expand my vision to see the need in front of me that I am totally blind to. Expand my generosity to obey your prompting and give without hesitation. Expand my mercy to love without judgment or explanation. Expand my influence to inspire others to do the same. Expand my service to do more with less when needed. Expand my light to champion and love people of every color and expand my mind to seek justice the way you desire, Father. All these things I ask, Lord, to expand your kingdom in my community. Amen.